Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental, and I am super excited to have a guest with us today, Becky Nova from Lady Landlords. Becky, welcome. Thank you so much, Brian. I love being here. I appreciate it. Well, absolutely. So we have a lot to go over today with Becky. She has crammed a whole lot of real estate investing in a really short period of time. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, a little over two years ago, Becky and her husband not only didn't own any rental properties, they didn't own a home. And today she and her husband are, they're financially independent. They're able to cover all of their living expenses with rental income. And she's even started a company, Lady Landlords, teaching other women how to build passive income with rental properties. So Becky, let's start by just rewinding the clock by a couple of years here to, to 2018 and you know where you and your husband were in all this and how you went about buying your first property. Sure. So. Um, so back in 2018, like you said, we had no properties. We didn't even own our own home. We were renting in the Bronx in New York. And it was something that my husband being an immigrant to the United States from the Dominican Republic, he really had that American dream of wanting to, to own a home. I was in not a financial situation at all to be able to afford a home at that point in time. I had had my own business and everything I was doing was just really being invested back into it. So I was even like, I don't even know how I'm going to come up with the down payment to kind of do this. But as you compromise in relationships, I said, okay, we will figure out a way. So I actually went and took a consulting gig that was really good pay for a good couple months. It ended up turning into a long-term position, which was great. But I was able to do that to kind of get my down payment. But I also decided if we were going to do this, I did not want to be living paycheck to paycheck um, and just paying mortgage to mortgage, as I know a lot of other people do. So I wanted to come up with a way where we could almost get paid to live or at least dramatically decrease our um, our living expenses. So I always tell people I had this fantastic idea that we should buy a multifamily <laughs> and live in one side and rent out the other. Um, I knew nothing about real estate at the time. I never heard of the term house hacking. I'd never heard of some of the other larger like real estate forums. I just thought that I would have like the best idea, like the million dollar idea for the year. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by the way, we're gonna put a little link in the comments there to uh, a little bit more about house hacking if that term is, is new <laughs> to you. Uh, but so Becky, let me, let me pause you right there for one second um, mm -hmm. and just ask, about what you were doing for work at the time. So my understanding is you have a, a, a W-2 day job and then you also have another business on the side. So can you just let us know, you know where you were coming from work-wise at that point? Sure, so at the time I was running a medical consulting company. So I actually work in cancer research. Currently I work for a pharmaceutical company, but at the time what I was really doing was more along the lines of health coaching and working with patients to ensure that they had the best care that was necessarily outside of a hospital or institution. So I worked with them in their homes privately, one-on-one, -on -one, to just kind of give that extra support while they weren't in a doc underneath the doctor's care. So I'd done that for years. Um, and then 
I ended up going back to cancer research. That was where I was like, okay, we need to get a large down payment. We need to make some money fast. Pharmaceuticals is going to be a way to go. <laughs> okay. No, that all makes sense. So yeah. you and your husband bought a duplex, right? So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that, you know, what the numbers looked like, you know, what went right, what went wrong, you know, just walk us through that, that first property of yours. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, we were living in the Bronx in New York to us. Um, as some people know, like a couple of years ago, like Brooklyn and New York, like absolutely blew up. The market there has just been insane. And they've turned a lot of these older brownstones into just these million dollar properties. So where we were living in the South Bronx, that hadn't really taken place yet. So we had the brilliant idea to be the people to do that. And unfortunately, we realized we were not the first. So we actually had a really hard lesson in what um, trying to buy in a high cost of living area was because every place we were looking in the Bronx, we were just being outbid like crazy. We were losing properties. They were going like overnight in cash for like $100 over ask, $100,000 over ask. And we were like, wow. we can't even compete with this. Like we don't even have $100,000 in cash and these people are outbidding us by that. It, it, was, it was insane. So we really kind of learned how quickly things move how we need to be fast looking at our numbers and being able to make decisions rather quickly. We did put uh, offers in on places and we just never got them. And luckily we really trusted our, our realtor who said, you know, the Bronx is just so crazy right now with the market, with everybody thinking it's going to be this next Brooklyn. Let's kind of see what we can do. And he expanded our search area a little bit farther into a place called Yonkers, which is probably 10 miles like north of where we were looking previously. I can actually walk to the Bronx from where I live now in Westchester County. I could actually walk there, but costs were just completely different. So it was still ended up being an up and coming kind of area. Um, it was still right by a train where I can commute to the city, which was great. So we ended up finding a duplex. It was originally listed on the market for $450,000. There was another offer at the time. And even like my husband, Emilio was having like a heart attack because we just been through all these bidding wars. So he was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in this again, but it was just one us and one other couple. And we ended up getting the property after a best and final for 465,000. And that was where things really taught us about what the real estate market um, in New York was like. I know Brian, I shared this with you, but now we ended up winning. We finally won a, an offer. We were so excited to finally have an accepted offer, but now we knew we also had to move fast because we knew that other people could still be making offers. Um, so we, it was suggested to us to make sure to get our home inspection done as soon as possible. Scheduled it for like that following Monday. We were a nervous wreck all week that somebody else was going to make an accepted offer. It was going to make another offer that was going to be higher than ours over the weekend. So we go to do the inspection that following Monday. And my husband got to the property before I did. And he calls me. I'm still on the train coming up from the city. And he's like, we have a problem. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? And he goes, well, someone graffitied the property. And we were like, what? And he was like, he was standing there with the with the home inspector waiting for me and our realtor to show up. And all of a sudden we realized that someone had completely vandalized the property that we were inspecting um, with horrible racial epitaphs all over the front of the property. So we ended up coming up. We still talked about it. My husband and I just kind of talked 
talked on the side in Spanish really quick and we're like, hey, you're still cool with buying this property? I was like, yep, I'm fine. So we did the home inspection. And then by the time we were done with the home inspectors, I had like a hundred messages from my mother being like, get out, do not buy this house. <laughs> and the police officers were there um, taking reports. We had, you know, the fire department came trying to like power wash the, these, um, the vandalism off of our property. Long story short, we found out that actually the people that had lost the bid to us had lost the property were apparently trying to scare us away. So new levels of competition for sure. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I've never heard of such a thing. I mean, <laughs> but you know, kudos yep, to you guys right. for really not being scooped off. You know? Yeah. No, it just it just didn't it didn't fit right. You know, it just didn't it didn't look right. It didn't make sense for what the neighborhood was. And it, honestly, the best part of that came out of it was all of our neighbors came out when when they saw what had happened, and they were all like introduced themselves and apologized to us, and we got to meet everybody even before we moved in. So it turned you know it was really great to have those resources and also know where all the security cameras were in the neighborhood. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you guys bought that property, moved into the duplex, rented out the other side. And then my understanding is that your next property, your second property kind of fell into your lap from a neighbor, right? So, so I mean, tell us a little bit about how that all came about. Sure. So I didn't actually find this out until a few months later. We moved into the property that was May 2018. And once we moved in that property and we were able to rent it out and I saw that money coming in and really that we were living for free, I was like, okay, we got to do this again. We got to figure out how to do this again. So probably only about you know four or five months later, I was talking to my realtor once again, just kind of staying in touch, being like, hey, I'm still trying to figure out how I can buy another property. I'm going to figure this out. And he goes, actually, I have something you might be interested in. And he wouldn't tell me what it was. He said he needs to get pre-approved first to learn about the property. So I'm working on that. But my husband all of a sudden happened to notice the realtor in our neighborhood coming out of our next door neighbor's house. So we were like, okay, that's gotta be the house he's talking about. He's saying it's close. There's nothing closer than the house across the street. So right. come to find out after we got the pre-approval that when my realtor was at the duplex for the appraisal for the first property, the little old lady across the street came walking over and kind of tapped on his shoulder and was like, hey, I don't know you. I've lived here for 30 years. Who are you? What are you doing in my neighborhood? And they started talking. He mentioned he was a realtor. And she said, hey, I'm actually thinking about selling my property. Let's kind of stay in touch. And one same thing, he ended up getting the listing. So they didn't want to put the listing completely on the market. So he said, you know what? Actually, I think I know the couple that would love to buy your would love to buy your property. And that was clearly us just moving across the street. So he put us in touch um, and we went to go look at it and we were able to pick up that property as our next one. That's great. And you know, it goes to just illustrate a great thing that happens in real estate investing is that action begets more action and more opportunities, right? I mean, by diving into real estate investing, opportunities mm -hmm. become available to you as you're involved in it. So, you know, people get so, you know, they clam up and they get worried about going out and buying that first property. But you know, as you as you dive into it and, and keep going, these these things come to you even. <laughs> yes, I tell people all the time, you need to always like tell people what you want in life. Put it out there, tell people what you're looking for, what you hope to find. And you never know how that's gonna kind of come back, how the universe is gonna bring that back to you. But it absolutely will happen. So this was definitely one of those kismet things that was supposed to work out. 
Absolutely. And we actually, so we've got a comment here from Christina asking whether you only invest in your market or whether you also invest remotely. Now, I happen to know the answer to that question. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's, let's dive into that, actually, because that is such an interesting part of your story. So that not only, Christina, does Becky invest remotely, she actually invests overseas as well. So Becky, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about your overseas investing and how that all came about. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, my husband is from the Dominican Republic and it was very important to him to own a property there. So that was actually what we decided to do. So we found a place, not a beach rental. People ask me that all the time. They're like, oh, that's so cool. You own, you know, in a Caribbean island, you know, it must be a place you can go and it's right next to the beach. And I'm like, no, we, we bought in the capital. We bought in Santo Domingo um, in the city and it is rented for long-term long rentals. We actually have college students that are living there now. Um, but it was really important to him to be able to buy in his home country and provide great and affordable housing, um, in a place not so far from, from where he lives, where he grew up. I mean, so we were, it was nice because we were able to one, know the area just because it is where he's from. Most, a lot of his family is still down there. So they're, they don't manage it for us, but they are close enough to be able to go there in case of an emergency. They can clearly get there faster than us. Yeah. But we bought within a new construction. So it's kind of a, it's like a little compound that they built. That's how a lot of the properties are down there. So it has like a security guard goes into um, a parking lot and then it has buildings all around it. So we bought a unit there and luckily they have a maintenance person and a property manager already on, um, on site. So we're able to use them um, to make sure to, we were able to do everything with getting them rented to making sure that the HOA fees are paid, everything like that. So it's, it's worked out fantastic. That's great. Well, so let me ask you this, you know, you obviously, you guys had an in, right? You had an inside angle because your husband yes. is from the Dominican Republic and from that city, actually, um, based on your experiences, would you recommend that other real estate investors who don't have you know, an inside, an inside man, as it were, right? Um, yeah. To invest overseas, you know, how, what what are some of the challenges that, that you would tell people to prepare for, and and would you recommend it for for other investors without that that inside angle? Sure. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna actually answer that kind of in two parts. One with the idea of overseas, and then the other with still buying in the United States, but possibly in a place. To me, anything is long distance that's more than an hour away. Maybe that's just a New Yorker thing, but if it's more than an hour, to me, that's far. So. The difference with, so I'll address overseas first. With overseas, one of the things that was actually the most helpful for us is that my husband is a dual citizen. So since we were still in this acquisition phase of buying other properties, it was really important that we just didn't go and buy the place outright. We didn't want to pay for the place in cash necessarily. It's still our cheapest property. But to me, I knew that if I wanted to grow fast and grow, especially in the New York area, I needed to have as much cash on hand as humanly possible. So instead of buying that property outright, we actually were able to get a mortgage there due to his dual citizenship. So that made it a little bit just easier for us. Um, we still had to put down like 50%, but it still was not, that's kept like 50 grand in the bank for us. It was nice. So that would probably be the one thing about buying overseas. I hear a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, it's cheaper in other countries. And I'm like, yes, but when you have to pay it all up front and can't mortgage it, that makes a difference. So if you're an American citizen, an American bank, will not give you money to buy property in another country. And another country will also not give an American citizen a mortgage to be able to buy overseas. So if you're buying overseas and do not have an in with citizenship for a mortgage, you're gonna have to pay in all cash. 
So there's still affordable places to do that, but for that, you can find an affordable place in the United States as well. Like I said, to me, anything outside of an hour, I'm not gonna manage by myself. So even if I was buying all the way upstate New York versus buying in Iowa, I would still consider the long distance. When it comes to that, or even if you are gonna buy a place out of the country and you're gonna do that on all cash, there are so many ways with technology now that you can absolutely be like you're there. There are so many different ways you can find out what's going on in the neighborhood. You can make sure to find the realtor that you need, you the property manager you need. You can join mom and dad groups and learn about how to find like a handyman and what schools are the best and what areas are like and what the crime is like. There are so many different ways to kind of connect that I do not hesitate at all to be able to buy in another in another state. I actually looked into doing that before the property came up across the street. I was planning on buying in a couple of different states I was looking at at the time. And I made it like I was a resident there. I knew what bars people went to. I knew what neighbors liked. And I knew what the different cost of livings were in the different neighborhoods. Um, I knew how they voted politically. I mean, it was just, it was something you had to ingrain yourself and be like, let's go figure out what this place is really like as if I personally was going to move there or live there. And the internet and Facebook give you every way possible you need to be able to do so. Absolutely. So you you recently just settled on another property or two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know that and you know how your investments have have changed a little bit you know since that first uh, house hacks, house hacked duplex uh, a couple of years ago. Sure. So at the beginning of 2020, my husband and I agreed that I would not buy another property in 2020. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it was very, you know, I feel like he thinks like I buy houses, like I buy shoes, you know, so so he was like, okay, like 2020, like we're not buying a house. So that was actually in our plan. Um, even at like the beginning of COVID then, we were like, okay, it kind of makes sense, you know, this probably wouldn't, let's see what's going to happen with this right now. Um, so it kind of made sense that we hadn't, we're buying another property. But then as kind of early, like spring kind of came around and I saw what was happening with COVID and the way people were moving, especially outside the city. I was like, okay, we might need to rethink this strategy. So our plan had been to buy another large multifamily in the Yonkers area, right? So we're talking once again, multifamilies are 600 to $800,000 here. I'm gonna need a substantial down payment for that. So 2020 was supposed to be a year of savings. But when I saw that people were kind of really moving a little bit farther upstate and kind of out of the way, not necessarily staying in this Bronx Yonkers kind of city type area, they were all going upstate. I was like, let me just kind of take a plate look at places up there. And luckily I did it at the right time. I did it apparently before a lot of other people were. So the market wasn't going incredibly crazy as it is now. Prices were not so inflated up there. So I was able to find a duplex for like $250,000 that was cash flowing an extra thousand dollars a month. So I was like, well, this seems pretty easy. I don't need to save so much because I'm not buying a million dollar property here. I'm buying something that's a quarter of the price of that. So let's go and just be able to pick up a little bit of a smaller property. So we did that, that place, once again, my conditions for actually looking for that property were about an hour away from my home. So one that I can still manage and I don't have to um, worry about using a property manager or account for that cost into it. Two, it needed to be something that there was not a lot of work for. I didn't wanna have to be driving up and down all the time to fix things and to improve things and meet with different contractors. I didn't wanna have to do that. And three, I actually wanted to inherit inherit tenants. I know that's something that sometimes scares people, but it was really important to me to actually get that check at closing that I already have tenants there. 
and that we're all settled on that. So I wanted to make clearly I looked into and making sure that they were that they were qualified and everything was going well there. But I really wanted to make sure that the tenants were actually there and plan on staying long term. And that place was actually in Goshen. I see Christina saying she's in central New York. So this is Goshen in Orange County. So it might still not be necessarily central New York, but for me, that's like way upstate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And it, and it goes to show this is yet another important lesson for real estate investors is that you have to adapt. I mean, no market, whether we're talking about real estate or any other asset, no market is ever static, right? The market is always evolving. Always mm-hmm. changing, sometimes more rapidly than others. And 2020 is definitely one of those times when it's very rapidly evolving. And mm-hmm. you, know, you stayed nimble as an investor. You saw the trend and you invested accordingly. And you probably got in, you know, way ahead of, of the trend there, you know, over the last six months. So yeah, so. the seller actually owned two properties next to each other. One was the duplex we bought, and there was a single family next to us. And during, you know, during the time waiting for, um, for us to close, it came up that, um, it did come up that he was actually going to put the, the single family property on the, on the market. And when he told us the price for it, like they even said, he was just like, but an investor is not going to buy that because there's just, because we know that the prices are just so inflated right now. So I was like, that really kind of confirmed that we kind of bought really at the right time. That's great. And uh, Michael Burroughs here is asking what city that $250,000 property is in. I think you said Goshen. Is that right? Goshen, New York? Goshen. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So Orange County. And that is right by right by where Christina is. I know exactly where Middletown is. She's she's right there. So and actually, I think <laughs> I know Michael's wife, oddly enough. Well, I'll, really? have to, I'll have to check. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> You know, it, it's a relatively small world in the, you know this real estate investing education world. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone ends up meeting sooner or later, right? So, all right, well, so let's talk about where you are right now with financial independence. So, you, sure. I remember you telling me that your living expenses are extremely low. Now, some of that is the house hacking, of course. But I, mm-hmm. if I if I heard you correctly the first time around when we were talking initially, you know, I think you had said that your living expenses are something like a thousand dollars a month. For you and your husband, is is that is that true? And like, and how is that true? Sure. So mine are under a thousand dollars. Mine is under. He's he with him combined, we're a little bit more than that, but not much more than that. Um, it's just because we have to get rid of his car payment. Um, but, once we, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. I mean, I we have we spend less than fifteen hundred dollars. I mean, it's it's when you can take away, especially for people in New York. Um, when you can really take away the cost of living, that is huge. That is absolutely huge. So, yeah. and also it doesn't it doesn't hurt. I work days, he works nights. So you know, it kind of cuts out a lot of you know. We don't really go to dinner like a lot of other couples. We don't really get that time to kind of to be together. It's very hard for us to kind of schedule those vacations. So it is kind of our like let's live as cheaply as we kind of can now, um, since we are kind of in this acquisition phase of our financial lives. And then, you know, find a way that we can be able to make changes in our future to be able to spend more time together and be able to enjoy those things. Absolutely. So if you don't mind my asking, what are your your current gross and net rental income figures uh, where you stand right now? I got to add up that. Hold on. Um, (laughs) You know, off the top of your head, it doesn't have to be down to the dollar here. (laughs) No, no, sure. So, I mean, we end up making um, we end up making about just under about ten thousand dollars through um through net is what we actually end up making a month so i mean that that's fantastic like that's clearly something that 
that's what helps us be able to buy these next properties. When you, the, every property we buy, you have more and more money coming in. And if we can continue to keep our, our, um, our costs really low, that's clearly where we're making a difference here. I mean, we save probably about 80% of our incomes, which is, is really just amazing. Like to me, that's, and as a person, once again, that was coming, as we talked about at the beginning of the story, I was in debt. I had a business that was funding anything. Like I had like no, no money to like my names, like whatsoever. And that's something that has completely changed now where I'm now I'm, I have a six figure salary in the pharmaceutical industry and I'm saving 80% of that. That makes a huge difference. It's amazing. And you know, this is something that we actually talk about all the time with, with both the real estate siding, the, the real estate investing side of the conversation and the fire side of the conversation of snowballing your income, right? So with each income producing asset that you buy, it, it adds to your income. And if you can hold your living expenses the same, then you just snowball that income and your savings rate just explodes. And it creates this situation where, you know, soon you're making $10,000 a month net on, <laughs> on rental income and putting all of it into the next property. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, as I mentioned, oh. you know, the, the property we picked up in Goshen for, for an extra thousand dollars a month, like my job's not going to give me that kind of raise at the end of the year. You know how you get like that cost of living a lot of times when you work for like kind of a, for like a corporation, like that's never a thousand dollars a month. But that was something that that really using real estate for financial independence, you can give yourself an actual raise like that. We just gave ourselves a twelve thousand dollar raise. Not a many companies, especially in 2020, are going to be doing that. Right. So. It's, it's really one of the only industries you can do that. A hundred percent. And, you know, a couple of quick comments here. So Edwin Torres says, very important to budget and take that money for investment uh, as you do. Mm -hmm. uh, Christina Coleman had a, a quick question here about, um, did you use hard money lenders to fund your deals? Uh, which is a great question. How did you fund these deals other than the first one, which was, of course, a, um, you know, owner-occupied conventional financing? Sure. Everything else we still did traditional financing for. So we've never used a hard money lender um, to date. I do have like connections to those. And those are people I kind of, once again, I never know when I'm going to need one. So you still want to network with those people and have those connections, but we have so far self-funded everything that we've, that we've purchased. So we've always just used traditional mortgages. And I'm going to send a comment or a link in the comments here for how to get away with using some of those conventional loans, um, such as Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans. Uh, for rental properties, uh, and of course, one of those ways is house hacking. Uh, mm -hmm. So you you have a company called Lady Landlords. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about this, and you know how people can connect with you there, what you do there, uh, because there are obviously a lot of a lot of women who are have been getting into real estate investing for the last uh, well few decades, really. I mean, you yeah. know, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's sure. with a lot of women in it. So yeah, talk to us a little bit about Lady Landlords. Sure. So back, you know, earlier. Earlier in the year, February, March, you know, we're all kind of trapped in our home and my husband's kind of getting a little tired of me talking about real estate all the time and, and what I wanted to do. So I was like, fine, I'm sure there'll be people on the internet that'll want to talk to me about, about real estate investing. So I just started to, decided to start a women's group. So I started a group called Lady Landlords um, and I just threw it up on Facebook. It's a Facebook group and figured, you know, maybe there'll be some other women that'll want to talk with me about real estate. And really I can help get my own questions answered. That was completely what I designed it for. And the page absolutely just completely blew up. We now have over 300 members joining on a weekly basis. Actually, Michael's wife, uh, Michael actually shared Lady Landlords with his wife, Tracy. So it is actually Michael who I thought it was that's watching. Um, so he was able okay. to, so, so Tracy is a part of actually of Lady Landlords. But so we have hundreds of women that joined 
So now it's become, honestly, it's kind of another income stream for me as well, because I've been able to create what people have been looking for in there. So I create other resources there. So um, I see Brian, actually, you added my, thank you for sharing my, my website. On my website, we also do different resources that people can use. So we have a beginner's course of just like how to get involved in real estate investing. I teach people how to also grow their portfolio. A lot of people tend to get stuck after the first one. They're like, cool, now I want a second, but it seems like a, there's like almost a mental block for a lot of people on how to get from the first to the second. So I have resources there. We do um, weekly lives as well. Um, we share different partners and different people that we've worked with um, before. So when people are like, hey, I really need to find you know a handyman in Oklahoma, I'm trying to create like a database of people that we know are reputable that we can use. Um, and Brian, I know one of the ways that we started this was also because I met Tara through being a part of the Spark Rental Group. Because when I was really trying to figure out just how to manage tenants and how to um, get credit check, get credit checked and how to do background checks, I really did not know where to go. And Spark Rental was actually a great resource for me. It is what I use for all of my applications. So it was just really kind of cool that then Tara was like, hey, I want to come be a part of your group. And I'm like, oh. Wow, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> um, so, but it's really important to make sure that you know where those resources are, and if they are great resources, to share those. People, you know, it's kind of the Yelp, the Yelp way of life, right? You always complain when something's not good, and you tell people when things aren't right. Hi, Tara. But we never necessarily kind of like tell people when things are going well and what we like as a resource. So, I kind of wanted to create just a place where we can store some things to make sure that if something's really working right, that other investors know about that option as well. Well, it's it's so important in this industry. I mean, networking and you know having all that support personnel is crucial to your success as, as a landlord, as a real estate investor, because this is not a solo sport, right? You, you need contractors mm -hmm. and handymen and lenders and you need realtors and property managers. And I mean, you know, there's just there's endless, you know, support personnel that you need. So, you know, it, it's such an important resource um, and, you know, let's be honest, in 2020 in particular, a lot of people are kind of discovering real estate investing for the first time because, you know, they don't feel comfortable with the stock market. You know, bonds mm -hmm. aren't paying anything because interest rates are so low. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people have uh, expressed an interest in real estate investing for the first time. Uh, and of course, many of them are women. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, you know, this Lady Landlord's website and Facebook group are exceptional resources. Uh, you know, particularly for female investors, but for anyone as well. I mean, you know, everyone can use an extra handyman in Oklahoma, right? So exactly. <laughs> so, Becky, before we wrap this up, uh, is there anything else that you want to say to the audience before we call this complete? Um, my the piece of advice I always like to give people is like set a goal, make a plan, and take action. I really do feel that people get so stuck, especially in real estate investing. We always try thinking about, well, is this the right decision? And we get stuck with the, the whole analysis paralysis thing. And I feel like there's so many people there trying to figure out like what is the best way forward and they just keep spinning their wheels on it. And really what I wanna encourage people to do is to make the best decisions you can and move forward and take action, see how it goes. There's always then a next step to be taken, but unless you take that first step, you don't know what's going to happen. So get out there and give it a try. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to circle back to what we talked about at the very beginning with your first couple of properties, you know, action begets more action and more opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just taking that first step 
will often lead you, you know, further down the rabbit hole in the best possible way. <laughs> so, yeah. Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a fun conversation and I really think that the audience has gotten a lot out of it. So thank you for your time and we, we hope to have you back soon. Sure, anytime. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It means so much to me, really. All right, have a great day, Becky, and thanks again. Thanks. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.